Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Grounded in the Middle. I am Danielle Folk, your host, and I am joined today with a special guest. Her name is Brett Ivy, and she is from the account on Instagram, Piney Oaks Homestead, and she lives in the Everglades of Florida. And yes, she was just preparing for that hurricane that went through. And I had recorded this conversation with Brett prior to the hurricane. So um, she's going to be sharing with you today about home cooking, homesteading, and what it's like to be a resident in the Everglades and how her her living is kind of unique. And um, it's a labor of love, but also she finds it to be um, her joy. So I hope you will enjoy listening into this conversation with Brett Ivey. Well, um, so today we are joined with Brett Ivy from Piney Oaks Homestead. Brett, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today to share about yourself and about, you know, the things that you are enjoying and leaning into, because I always say that each one of us has a story and we are in control of the narrative of the story and leaning into the things that we have desires to do, but maybe we don't always think we have time for. And you, Brett, have found a way to lean into those things that really are meaningful to you. So before we get into homesteading life and those fun details, will you share with listeners a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Um, well, first, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm so excited to be here and feel honored that you asked me to be a part of this. Um, like you said, my name's Brett Ivy. Currently, my family and I, my husband Bobby, our 12-year-old son Lucas, and my mother-in-law live in North Florida on the nature coast. So I like to explain to people that we live at the bottom of Florida's armpit. That big bend in the state. <laughs> that's we live at the bottom of that big bend, and that's called the nature coast. We don't have those beaches here that everyone associates with Florida. So if you come to where we live and you expect those nice, gorgeous beaches, like you see the pictures of Miami and Fort Lauderdale and Tampa and what is it like Panama City and 30A, we don't have that. It's bayou and swamp and marsh and lots of tall grasses <laughs> and gators and sharks and all of it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds so um, cool we yeah we we both my husband and I grew up down in uh Fort Lauderdale Miami area and spent a lot of time throughout the tri-county southeast Florida and as our son was growing up we realized um it's changing you know everywhere is changing but specifically where we lived. I remember when we moved from Palm Beach County. So Southeast Florida has three counties going from North to South. It's Palm Beach and then Broward and then Miami. So Palm Beach County, we had moved from my mom and I down to, I would say pretty central Broward County. And when we moved there to this little town called Coral Springs, you'd get off the highway and there were still cow and goat pastures. But now mm -hmm. there's like movie theaters and assisted living mansions and oh, wow. just, you know, targets and Publixes galore. Well, Publix is our supermarket. I guess it's like Kroger or whatever. Um, and but, I you know, love it's Publix. Just, <laughs> they oh have my great gosh. birthday cakes. 
Yes. And their subs. <laughs> There's nothing like a pub sub. Unfortunately, we moved from having a Publix, probably three Publixes within a mile of us where we used to live down in uh, Sunrise to the closest Publix to us now is a good hard hour away. <laughs> oh no. Oh gosh. Yeah. So is Target. I don't think I've been in a Target in two and a half years. Are you so. serious? Yeah. Wow. That is it. That's incredible. Well, and to your point though, all of those things are growing up, you know, where those cows and where those pastures used to be. And so it's becoming, you know, for many, they don't have those memories. So that's really something special that you have and right. decided that you wanted to continue to see and have around in your life and for your family. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and when, when those things, those expansions happen, of course, it's necessary to an extent, more people, whatever, but more people also brings, you know, not so great things to some communities. And we saw the influx of the not so great things that normally happen in busier big cities, um, moving farther where we were westward into the suburbs and the smaller family towns. So we knew that we needed something different and um, we actually never intended to be where we are now because we actually think COVID. Um, at the end of 2019, we had found a 35 acre completely set up off-grid homestead 8,500 feet up in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. <laughs> oh, wow. And um, we were supposed to go up in April of 2020 to go look at three properties and hopefully put one under contract and put a deposit down then. So we, you know, Florida was very controversial in 2020. And I know people actually who had problems leaving Florida to go see family and not being able to get back in, even though they had Florida IDs and stuff because Florida was like, no, they shut the borders and stuff for a little bit. It was weird. Right. Um, okay. So we decided to start looking and we looked just north of Lake Okeechobee and meandered our way up, skipped over Orlando because we did not want to go from people to people, especially to Orlando's like moving straight into Miami. I'm not doing that. Um, and we wound up finding this little tiny town, you know, in between the coast and Gainesville. And it was everything. So, so it was perfect. I'm kind of curious. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious. You mentioned having looked out of state for property that was more isolated where are you and your husband, have you always had that desire to have a homestead? Were you already doing, because you can homestead, everyone can homestead in their own way if they're in a city and so much and so forth. But like, have you always wanted to be out kind of in the middle of nowhere and have the space and, you know, ferment things and can things? Where did that come from? So quick history on Bobby, my husband, he grew up as a boy scout. Um, both of us are only children and Lucas, our son is an only child. So we understand as only children parents, what it takes to have 
have an only child and we knew that we needed to be able to provide more, but Bobby's mom did the exact same thing. And she joined the scouts with, she had Bobby join the boy scouts when he was young. And she said, it's not good enough. And she wound up becoming like the leader of the pack for the region. Oh yeah. Wow. My husband hiked the Appalachian trail. My husband has done, you know, outward bound type scout camps in Georgia. My husband has done hike the grand Canyon, all of oh, it, <laughs> all with the oh, scouts. Um, so he naturally always had that. And he, at a very young age, I think it was like 15 or 16 started doing jobs with carpentry and construction work and ultimately wound up leaving school because he was getting more out of learning from that and he was getting paid for it. And so he has over 20 years of um, contracting construction and carpentry under his belt before we even moved here. So we knew we very handy. (laughs) I grew up I grew up with hippies for parents. (laughs) So when everyone else is going to school with Lunchables and like really cool things like, um, like cosmic brownies and stuff, I was going with my leftover millet and having to take wheatgrass shots before school. I'm not even kidding. I'm going back to like the early nineties. It was bad. Like I used to lie when I was in, when I was in elementary school, I would lie and be like, I don't have a lunch today and they'd let me charge my school lunch if it was like pizza or chicken nugget day. <laughs> you found a way around it. Ate, yeah we never ate fast food <laughs> in fact um one time my mom caved and we were waiting somewhere for somebody and we got a large mcdonald's fry and we ate the whole thing and at the bottom there was a massive fried flying ant and she goes see oh, it's wow. a sign that's why we don't eat this I was like, oh my God, it's true. I, I I loathed it as a child. I hated being drawn out. I mean, and we didn't have a big house. My mom was a single mom from the time I was like four. And um, we lived on a corner unit townhouse and we did have like land, land, you know, like a little bit so we could plant. We weren't like a middle unit townhouse where we could just put a pot out front of our door. We could actually put stuff in the dirt. So okay. we were always growing like herbs, basil, tomatoes, oregano, and different edible flowers and stuff. Um, oh yeah, I was. we were eating pansies on our salad way back before I even like the fancy cookies that came out with them. but did you enjoy did you enjoy that part like growing back then as a child or not as much of an appreciation still hated it when I when I was forced to do it I hated it but I was that child we didn't have the internet I remember when like Nintendo came out and I had to beg my mom for Nintendo and then come to find out she stayed up all night playing duck hunt on it when I was sleeping (laughs) But you know, like it's still a great I didn't game. enjoy it when I was right. When I was forced, I did not enjoy it. But I was that kid out there digging up the dirt, making mud pies and finding the worms and stuff like that. I was the kid pretending, you know, to bake with the dirt and stuff because my mom's mom had me in the kitchen baking bread. She knew a hollow recipe, you know, with her eyes closed, didn't even have to think. 
She had me in the kitchen since I was five baking bread with her because my mom was a single mom. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. So yeah, I mean, we both have a little bit of that influence to kind of guide us this way. Um, when we first met, I don't think we thought that this was going to be our path. <laughs> I don't think yeah, that at it, all, though. It's always funny how like the things that we rebel against or or promise ourselves that we're never going to do that um, it, it comes back and we begin to eat our words slowly. <laughs> yeah, very much so. so and I and I think listeners can probably relate to that in some area of um of their lives, we get to a point in our lives where we become our parents in some way and take up those interests because those are things that, you know, that have been instilled. And I think that when we have those moments, it's also a gift that our parents have given us and we can appreciate it. And then of course, um, hopefully instill some of that in our children, even though they may be, you know, not as receptive like ourselves. But I think that's the reality of being a child and growing up. But what I think can be difficult is that living, you oftentimes you hear living a simpler life when it comes to creating your own gardens or baking your own breads or canning your own things. When in reality, it's really not a simpler life. <laughs> it because I was it is hoping you weren't going to get mad if I said it's not. <laughs> it's not that simple. It looks it, and it sounds it. But growing stuff when you're living on land that has not been touched in sixty years, but was farmland for a hundred years before that, our soil is sand. We have garbage. I've given oh, up no. on trying to grow in ground and we are trying to reorganize completely. Like my garden is a mess. My biggest feat this year is cotton. Um, and it's like two bowls. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so you know, what are you doing? So simple. no, it's not simple. And I think that a lot of, um, I would think that a lot of listeners might find it to be intimidating and I think oftentimes we want to make sure that when we do it, it's successful. But when it comes to gardening, I've even learned that just like you, we had to till up ground that had been a field, but it was grass. It was just, and so we have had to work it and work it and every year it gets better, but we still have things that fail because we didn't realize it wouldn't grow great in the spot, but it grows well in another. Um, oh but for you gosh, having yeah. sand, I saw, I think I saw on Instagram, maybe the other day or the week, you made like a salsa, um, I believe. Yes. Um, so where are you planting your things? Where are you, how are you, uh, how are you, how'd you pivot? How did you find a way? So our first course of action when we got this property actually was we dug up, I mean, in all realness, a pretty small plot. I believe it was like 300 square feet. And sweet potatoes thrive down here. So honestly, I still have sweet potatoes kind of just wandering randomly. Um, but right now we did, we did kind of switch our focus because we realized that this land is so void. We do have to kind of rebuild and we built a couple raised beds. 
Um, we source our food as locally as possible. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we go to the Walmart because, well, I try to go to Winn-Dixie because that's what's in town that we do. We have started growing a lot more trees, so a lot more perennials, a lot more trees. Um, my husband decided to where we live now, there's a lot of excess trees. And we called our friends over, dropped the tree. We actually just milled out. Bobby bought a sawmill. So that way we could take all of these trees that have to be taken down and he can utilize his skills because becoming a contractor where we are now is not an easy feat. There are a lot of fly by nights and a lot of uh, quote unquote contractors who have seen the videos on YouTube. And I'm not saying YouTube can't teach you, but you know, these are people's homes, <laughs> um, right? You know, yeah. it's real stuff. And when you don't have a name developed for yourself, especially in a small town, it's hard, but you know, mm -hmm. and that's why, how do you, how are things simplify things? How are we, you know, how is it simple homesteading? Right. You and know. I think it's more about getting back to like basics. That's it. You know, the like, route, the route to where things started. Yeah. Like it might look simple because you see so many people on Instagram, um, just baking bread all the time. I, I, I struggle with that. Like I just baked two loaves of bread the other day because I knew that my son is down in Fort Lauderdale with his grandparents and I had too much going on this week. But before that, the only bread I was baking was for market. Like my family was eating store-bought buns <laughs> until market was done Father's Day weekend. I don't think I baked bread for my family for three weeks. I'm not going to lie. Oh um, it's how to simplify things, hyper-focus, pick one thing. Because I yeah, can bake I bread with my eyes closed now, but you know, there was at one point and I've been baking bread since before COVID. So let's, let's clear that up too. I grew up learning how to bake bread since I was like four or five years old, but for my family, I probably started baking bread, not daily or not weekly, but like, you know, more regularly in 2017, 2018. Okay. So it was before COVID. It was probably when I had to start baking, packing lunches for, for Lucas for school. I think that was it. <laughs> I'd start making, yeah, I think that's when I started making bread, to be honest, because I was sick of seeing those ingredients. Well, and I think that's if you can carve out the time and it just really takes a little bit of thought. And, you know, if you need to start, say, your your active yeast with your water and your sugar, you know, a couple hours beforehand, you can work it in, or you can even, and if you're, you know, everyone is busy, but if you are someone who works outside of the home, you know, doing those things on the weekend, taking time to then maybe throw it in the freezer if you need to, you know, keep it for the following week. Um, and like you said, yeah, I know everything to start frozen with. Frozen bread, frozen bread seems to be controversial. <laughs> yeah, share. Okay, great. Shed some light on that because I've I've not done it, but I've heard that like you can bake it, throw it in, and pull it out. Yes or no? You can. You can. Um, now, if you have kids like mine who prefer a nice soft sandwich, don't, don't get me wrong. Lucas has come a really long way with his appreciation. Like 
He also loves bread, period. But there is a textural difference between a nice, even homemade soft sandwich loaf or brioche bread versus a sourdough bread or even, you know, just an Italian bread. Because when you make a soft sandwich or a soft sandwich bread at home, you're using milk, you're using mm -hmm. butter. Some people will even throw an egg in to help soften that dough up and enrich it. And when you freeze it, I'm not going to lie, it's never going to be the same as when it's fresh made. But if you have a family who wouldn't mind not as soft or luxurious of a bread, but like even a simple um, Italian bread where you can use some olive oil and stuff, okay. that one, you like, yeah, bake that loaf of bread. I mean, for ease, depending on how your family works, some people do prefer to slice it first. But you can bake that loaf of bread, let it cool completely on the counter, wrap it in a bag, put it in the freezer, and then take it out. And what you want to do is take that loaf of bread and run it under the sink. Uh, I know oh, it sounds really wow. weird. You run it under the water and you can bake your bread at about 350 for what, 10 minutes or so. And it will it will like crunch back up on the outside. The steam will go in and it will just re-soften and puff up all of those little holes in the bread. Wow. Baking is magic. Um, and that's something that's weird because I've learned to really appreciate the science behind food as I've gotten older and chemistry was never my thing, but you know. But it is, and baking, that is the thing. It is more of a science versus when you're cooking a meal, you can throw ingredients together. I'm always telling my children that, you know, you you have to be careful. It's not like um, some of the other things that we do with our meals. Yeah, I mean, if, but if you learn the science behind it and how um, something like baking powder versus baking soda or how something like butter or oil can affect something in a baked good, you could start throwing things together because I'm not going to lie. I still have a hard time with posting recipes and people will be like, can you share this? I'm like, yeah, let me make it three more times because honestly that pizza dough, I kind of just threw together. So I've gotten better at like using a scale and trying to measure things out with cups and, but yeah. Well, I mean, and I tried, I tried your buns the other day yeah. and they were fabulous and it was so great and because i didn't want to go to right? the store yes yes I, that's my issue is so many bun recipes i don't know they're just they're dense i wind up I, I feel like my grandma when i was a kid who used to scoop her bagel and then not even like fill it with anything i half the bun recipes out there i used to scoop them all out because they're just so mm. dense but these ones I finally figured it out somehow. I don't know if it's the extra yeast or just the way I did it because some people will tell you more yeast will just change the flavor, mm. but theoretically more yeast, that's science again, I won't get involved, but. <laughs> well, let's talk about a little bit of your social media um, presence that you have. I met you through Instagram and that's kind of where I hang out and I, I see you there. Um, what Same. made you kind of take your lifestyle and what you are doing and decide to share that with the community um, of those who are really interested in stepping into it, but also 
for those who um, are already living that life, why did you decide to take to Instagram? Um, so I started, honestly, I, the Instagram Pioneer Oaks Homestead has undergone several name changes. And that one, if you go all the way back, you'll probably see some of my first pictures with those really bad filters from when Instagram was first brand new with Lucas, like in a stroller eating his foot. It was my original Instagram and you can go back and see even before Bobby and I lived together when Lucas was a baby and I was staying with my parents in their apartment, second floor apartment, where I had peppers and tomatoes, like cherry tomatoes and poblano peppers growing and hanging things that Bobby helped me modify from Ikea. Yeah. That's amazing. So like, Again, another way to show that, that you can do it those things that we rebelled against when we were children from our parents, my mom literally got to see that start to come full circle with me. She has to be so proud of you. You have no idea. She comes up here to, because they're only like 300 and something miles away. So she comes up here like every six-ish weeks to see Lucas. Lucas's birthday was last weekend and she's like, he wants the fluffy feet chicken. Let's go get him chicken. So I went wow. to Thomas Homestead. She's on Instagram too, who I found through a local woman here actually. And we went and she paid for silkies that he picked. Of course, silkies of all the birds this woman had, Lucas <laughs> picks the silky. And we can't budge. We can't get like an olive egger in there too, or, you know, another Americana or something. No, they all have to be silkies once he sees them. Will you share with listeners when they come to your Instagram now, what can they, what can they get a peek of? What, what is it that you enjoy sharing and that they could um, learn from you? I just try to share what we do. And I know I don't capture a lot of it. I need a cameraman, like I said, but like I have in the mixer right now, crackers. I marinated chicken. I have pinto beans in the Instant Pot waiting to be turned into refried beans for nachos tonight. Yeah, Taco nice. Wednesday every week here yeah. because I'm slow to the pickup. Um, like, we used to do Taco like Tuesday, but... <laughs> Now it's your day. And you know what you, I think it's neat because you obviously are someone who, you know, who you are, you know, what you love and you show up genuinely. And I think that is, I think that is transparent and kind of comes through on your Instagram and why your followers are there and why they engage and why they hang around. Because we do want to learn and we do want to see all the fun things, but at the end of the day, we want to make a connection with a person and even on Instagram on an account. And so I think it's nice that, and really neat that you've established this community where they can just meet you where you are and they're going to get, you know, this, an honest view of your lifestyle. Could you give, um, could you give kind of what is something that they could do to kind of get that homesteading feel into their life? Our family likes to think of life. We have like two little mottos. One is start stupid, simple. You got to start things with the stupidest, most simple way of doing it. So that way you can figure out what truly 
you know, direction you need to go in, I guess you could say. And if you aren't learning, are you even living? So Mm. pick one thing, hyper-focus and learn. Learn as much as you can. Get your hands in there, get dirty. Whether it is surfing the internet, getting your hands dirty because you literally have no idea what you're doing. Um, Like I've never water bath canned a thing in my life. I use open kettle method for anything I've canned and I've never even pressure canned anything. That honestly, that terrifies me. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm like one of those people that's scared it's going to blow up. Um, But like, so if I was to go and learn how to pressure can, yeah, there's people all over the internet. I could go and take a course. I could probably ask a million people. I could probably go down the street and find somebody, but it's getting your hands in there and getting dirty. Do the research, pick one thing and just slowly tackle it. Focus because we right here at Piney Oaks Homestead are proof that you cannot do it all at once. Like, like I said, my biggest, biggest feat this year in my garden is I have two cotton bowls. I think I got like three tomatoes because I put them in the ground too early and we got a hard freeze for three days, randomly like two weeks after Easter. Okay. When you listen to the local farmers, when you live in an agriculture town and you listen to the old timers who, you know, the century farmers whose family owns the hundreds and hundreds of acres that the cattle ranchers now borrow the land from, you know, and they're like, oh, never plant before the weekend after Easter. And then suddenly out of nowhere, you have a four day hard freeze every night, two weeks after that. Yeah. I messed up. Right. I put my tomatoes too early and I think I got three tomatoes this season. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, so I have a question up here up in Ohio. Like I have tomatoes that are just turning green. Um, You're in a warmer climate. So for us, (laughs) we're told to wait until after the first weekend of mother's day, when it comes to planning, like, you know, something that has leaves, an actual plant versus seeds, obviously. Now, is that um, transplanting or is that first starting your seeds? Because well, we start seeds for tomatoes where I'm at. Now, this is also, yeah, I stayed in Florida. I was raised, born and raised Florida native, but I was born in Southeast Florida. And now I live in North Central Florida and Back in Southeast Florida, tomatoes were a winter crop only. Like you put them in the ground in October and you grow them until January, February, and you're done. Oh, wow. Yes, but now tomatoes, I start seeds in January, February, and they should get transplanted. So I'm trying to keep tomatoes. Like I said, you got to really learn. And that's why we've re-switched our focus. I know how to plant a tree and make it grow. I know how to make herbs grow in pots and how to, you know what I mean? I know how to inoculate mushroom logs and keep them right until they are ready. (laughs) But these tomatoes and onions and all of these time sensitive crops, I'm not even going to lie. They killing me here because it's a totally different beast. We were considered almost tropical where we were both born and raised And now we have a frost date. I didn't know there was anywhere in Florida that had a frost date. My mind was blown. 
frost date? What's that? What do you mean? Yeah. Like right. I thought so I killed sounds, banana tree. So it sounds like even still, you you still as someone with more experience maybe than the average person with homesteading mm-hmm. life. Um, there are still pain points where you've again, like no one is perfect at homesteading, no one is perfect at um we're, uh, that's, exactly. I mean, that's the point is we it's don't avoid something just because you think it's going to fail or you will, let's just be honest. You're going, there's going to be a failure, whether it's your fault or not, yeah. or just, it's an experience, you know, back in school, we're taught, you know, go ahead, may, mess up. That's how you learn, but it's harder. It's so much harder when it's our time and our money and, and those things. But I think you would agree that it's absolutely when it is your money. Yeah, it is. hard. <laughs> right. But I think because, at the end of the day, that's another thing. Yeah. True homesteading is using what you've got. Right. Yes. But if you are one of those people that has seen this lifestyle been glorified and glamified because let's face it it is and I'm not bashing that because it deserves to be because there's a reason we as a people are still here and that's because our ancestors had no choice so you can't you know you just can't get there if you are starting with nothing how do you use what you have in a modern world of convenience when you are starting with raw land and you don't have the financial funds because you spent it all on your land. Yeah, right. we have a sawmill. But that's because we know that if we do get a tax return, if we do, we have to reinvest that if we want to be successful at being homesteaders, successful at being entrepreneurs and successful at having multiple streams of income because it's not easy. <laughs> right. It's not, you know, um, before we wrap up, can you share with listeners, where are you headed? Do you have, um, plans or projects or is there, um, a goal that you have for yourself or dreams or ideas that are kind of, you know, out there a little bit, what are you aiming for? As far as home study stuff, we are seasonal livers at its truest form. Um, So what I say right now might change come September when we're on the cusp of switching into fall. Um, Well, and I think that's a nice- has my brain all delusional. (laughs) Well, and I I think that's an important point that you make, you know, for listeners hearing that, just because they're like that there's an ebb and a flow to it and being fluid it's okay not to know what's going to happen but as long as you are you are happy with what you are doing or that interest that you have not having maybe huge expectations that you can actually just enjoy it and see where it goes and and that kind of takes the pressure off of of yourself not everybody maybe puts pressure on themselves but i know i do um yeah, but same. but yeah that's the way i mean that's that is a way to kind of modify and like enjoy something by just eliminating that stress so will you brett share with everyone where they can follow you and and get to know you what's the best way so i am on instagram um i'm not on facebook as much i do try to connect 
that automatic connection feature between Instagram and Facebook. However, uh, scheduling posts in advance has now become a, a good friend of mine as I've learned how to work it into my life. Um, and like that goes along with the, where will I be next week? I don't know. I know I need to go pick up Lucas in Orlando this weekend. And that's as far as I know, Ed. Um, but, you know, so Facebook is is a condensed version of Instagram. But on Instagram, Facebook, and I I opened up a Pinterest, but I'm really bad at it. Um, everything is Piney Oaks Homestead, and it's all one word. And we also have a website, Piney Oaks Homestead dot wordpress.com or backslash wordpress whatever it is if you google it it'll pop up um and i'll I'll be sure to put it in show notes as well for listeners so they can just go and click straight to them i've been trying to get the website that is honestly been becoming the focus um trying to get our online store set up shipping and figuring that out has literally been the biggest holdup. So if anybody hears this, um, I know I've had people ask about Lucas's cookies. They are literally as big as his face. Um, fresh milled flour in them, sourdough cookies, like five types of chocolate. I've had people literally across the country ask me about them, but figuring out shipping has been my biggest problem because to overnight or two day them is like a $50 thing because wow. six cookies is two pounds alone. Uh, <laughs> so bear with us, keep checking up. on. Yeah. You have this diverse collection. And I think that's really neat about the homesteading community as, as I wrap this up is that each person, each individual is different. Nobody is the same. They're all taking an aspect that works for them or that they're interested in and they just make it, it makes it unique to them and it makes it their home. And I think that's what is so special is that you have created something unique and, you know, perfect for your family and your home. And it just really makes for a great story of your life. And it just makes it really rich. Brett, I can't thank you enough for hopping on the podcast today. Thank you so much for sharing your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you will rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and share with those you know. If you'd like to see more of what life is like out here in the middle, you can find me on Instagram at farmhousestoryteller or head to my website, farmhousestoryteller.com.